Hi, this is Alexander Sue, and today I'm here with Dr. Christopher Rotolo on the Work Bites podcast. So today I want to discuss one of my favorite myths. Introverts can't be good leaders. Uh, so <laughs> what do you think about this one? And then I personally identify as an ambivert. Uh, so somebody who needs both extroverted and introverted environments, but it infuriates me when I hear people who think that introverts can't be good leaders. So what do you identify as and what do you think about this as a whole? I probably identify as an introvert that can be forced to be extroverted if I have to be. But the thing that tells me I am is whenever I have to do anything that requires a lot of talking to people, it's an energy drainer for me. I remember when I got into, I got promoted into a, a much bigger role um, where it was just back-to-back -back meetings all day, every day. Um, and I would literally come home in the first few months of the transition and I would, not right away, but like early, early evening, I would fall asleep. I would just be so dead tired from the day and only after, after a while would I kind of get used to that cadence. I, I used to be able to just put my head down, do some heads down work and all of that. But having to just be relating to people um, <laughs> uh, was, was very draining. I probably shouldn't be in, in HR, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't, I don't hear that as much. I do agree with the premise that there's kind of just common knowledge that you can't be as effective of a leader. You can't be as charismatic if you're introverted. That's probably like the crux of, of the myth. But I think there's a lot of uh, examples of where that's not true. Yeah, and there's so many things baked into it. So it's something that I don't think we hear in our circles, partly because our circles are pretty restrained in some ways like we have a snowball sample of people who actually subscribe to and understand and read the literature involving these things and you know i found that when i talk to other io psychologists they're completely aware that introversion has nothing to do with how capable you might eventually be as a leader but i think it's a more popular myth in the wider workplace people think oh yeah leaders have to like be talking to people all the time and do this naturally they're going to be extroverted in analyzing that is kind of interesting because if I think about it the other way too, right? I think introverts are more likely to seek their own space. And I think leaders could potentially have issues disconnecting and doing their own work and thinking on their own. Uh, you were just talking about the back-to-back -back meetings and I think an extrovert, somebody who's always constantly recharged by talking to a lot of people may fail to make the time to sit down with their thoughts alone and do their own work and analyze mm -hmm. it and come to their own conclusions without being influenced by those around them. Yep. So I think that's equally important. In judgment and decision-making, you know, one of the concepts that I found interesting is that generally groups perform better than an individual, except for when there is one individual who performs well above the mean, in which case the responses drift back towards the mean. So whereas that one individual could create much more positive change on their own because of their exceptional performance, et cetera, the group dynamics kind of bring them back to a more central tendency, presumably because there's a bit of inertia, almost group culture, et cetera, where you have to find some sort of mutual buy-in, right? But 
basically, if a leader isn't able to establish their own means of efficacy and kind of sit with concepts alone, I think that becomes problematic as well. Uh, for a different reason, you're just kind of perpetuating something that already exists rather than driving it towards mm. positive new variations. Yeah, I guess I guess my view is like being an extrovert or introvert in and of itself doesn't make you a good or poor leader. It it's a magnifier for other things. To your to your point or your example before, I I I remember working for a, a, a manager who was hugely extroverted and she could only think by talking to other people. So she, and I just, I just remember almost every day at the end of the day, when I was, you know, hoping to get ready to leave, she would call me in her office and, and basically want to talk. And, you know, I may say maybe three sentences out of the hour-long conversation it was, <laughs> it was merely it, it didn't take long for me to figure out it was merely her mechanism to help her think just having somebody in there did I think she was a good leader I mean you know she's a good person all around but I think if you if you are absent of other critical things that you need for leadership like having the thought leadership or the vision then being an extreme extrovert or an extreme introvert is is not going to help right it's if if you're it's it's just going to magnify the lack of those other things but you know if you if you have a good good vision if you have good thought leadership around something and you're an introvert as long as you can string a sentence together to other people in a variety of mechanisms then you should be okay like people should want to follow you still. Now, here's a question. Do you think, uh, it's kind of twofold. Do you think that, let's just call them for lack of a better term, like millennial employees, right? Or the incoming uh, generation uh, into the workforce has a different receptivity to one or the other? And, or do you think that changes in technology and how we relate to each other has changed that equation. That's so complicated um, because- That's why I asked. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever we speak in you know, mass generalities, obviously, you know, it's a disclaimer that there's, there's always gray spaces in between. There's individuals that fall outside the pattern, et cetera. So it's really hard to speak to things on such a large scale because I think that there's always gonna be different groups and some of them are more receptive to particular things than others. So when it comes to this and whether or not it influences receptiveness, I don't, I think that it could be, but I'm not convinced that it is. And so I, I think one of the myths about introversion too, is that you're unwilling to put yourself out there to a certain degree, but there's also differences in terms of, so I really enjoy interacting with people, but I also need my alone time, which is why I think I'm an ambivert. There's a certain point at which I'm like, nope, I'm done talking to people today. I can't do this anymore. I need to like do my own thing. But there's this kind of myth that like introverts are always shy too. And I don't think that's necessarily true either. Um, some of the introverts that I've spoken to uh, mentioned that they prefer, for example, presenting versus facilitating, right? So it's mm. like a one directional communication pattern where they're able to pre-establish their thoughts and kind of go through the motions. 
and that necessarily isn't necessarily a draining activity to them. So if you think about internet platforms, it's a magnifier for your voice, right? Like you can do that one directional communication, choose to engage later or at a time convenient for you, perhaps when you're in a better headspace, like you don't have to react immediately to things. So in some ways it could be more beneficial to be introverted at this point in time because you don't have to do things face-to-face -face as much anymore. You can do things in these delayed communication mechanisms that allow you to engage when you're feeling up to it. Simultaneously, I wonder if, you know, sometimes there's a bit of weakness being an expert. And like when I think sometimes I just say it before thinking about it, before having fully thought out my idea. And I think now <laughs> more than ever, that's dangerous, right? Yeah, it's sure. like, I say one stupid thing and it's going to be all over the internet forever. If I've put it on an online platform, it's, it's out there and, you know, people don't forget <laughs> the internet is forever. <laughs> um, so I think in some ways you could limit yourself as an extrovert much more easily too, because you're constantly able to put out these messages and do these silly things. So there's all sorts of other things that go into that equation as well. It's like forgiveness and, oh, I made a mistake, but I've advanced from here too. It's like how forgiving is culture really when those types of mistakes are made as well. So I think in some ways, and again, speaking in mass generalities, this isn't necessarily true of all individuals, but a lot of the introverts that I know, they think really hard about what they say before they, mm -hmm. before it leaves their mouth. Whereas I personally, you know, I kind of say it as I think it. So I think it gives me particular advantages in some arenas, but I've definitely remembered times where I'm like, I can't believe I let that sentence leave my mouth before <laughs> thinking it through. Yeah. Yep. It can get you in hot water, but it reminds me of some of the social network analysis research that is kind of looks at like the strengths, uh, strength of the ties between people, you know, the relationships between people and, you know, introverts tend to have much deeper relationships with fewer people, whereas extroverts will tend to have more, let's call them shallow relationships with a lot more people, which potentially can be very powerful because they can leverage those that wider network to their advantage uh, more so than a than a smaller network uh, that an introvert might have but the closeness that that an introvert might have in those relationships is very strong so you know there's advantages both ways but but it's interesting how personalities can relate to your network right your relationships it kind of makes sense when you say it so are there any other thoughts that you have on this particular subject? No, I think, I mean, you know, it's, it's probably not a, a myth that is in people's conscious mind, but I think it's like how, when you, when you meet somebody who's quiet, you tend to think, oh, okay, they're not, they're not that much of a leader. It's like an implicit bias, maybe. By that same token, it's like, I've met shy extroverts before, which sounds like sounds like it shouldn't be the case but it means that they're energized from other people's interactions but that they might be hesitant to initiate them they mm -hmm. might open up quicker or something like that but you know they like to talk to people and stuff but there's certain fears around social consciousness etc that prevent them from initially doing so so it's i think those concepts they evoke pretty strong stereotypical perceptions as well but there's so much depth in there too and it's a very 
easy to sum up concept, but simultaneously, I think it's poorly understood in some capacities too, in terms of like what it ultimately means. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting one that we'll probably revisit at yeah, some I point agree. because I, I really like talking about personalities and yeah. their potential impacts and where it loses or, you know, keeps people and how to use them effectively. I was going to say, we you know, one interesting topic related, it would be uh, narcissism. Oh, yes, for sure. I'm sure that we could have a topic on that just alone. So I look forward to that for sure. But with that being said, I think that wraps up the content for today's podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, this has been Alex Hugh and Christopher Ricciolo on the Work Bites podcast. And we look forward to speaking with you next episode about high performers and promotions and whether or not that should be the case and what can be done better.